she not a lesbian for peace, she turned pivian, push pin, push pin. The Great News Is Part 2 is here, and Part 1 has been the most listened to episode in the history of Cheese Curd. So thank you, everybody, for being interested in my shit. <laughs> in my shitstorm. Thank you for being interested in my shitstorm. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, the bad news is it's going to have to be three parts Oh, ugh, I know. I thought the same thing. Um, but third part won't be a full episode of the story. I think I only got about a half episode of what's left of the story in me. Um, and then I'm thinking we'll do like a reflective what I've learned from it. Um, so let's get into part two. It's a lot. Let's get into part two. And I shouldn't be so happy, but I got to get some happiness in here for you guys. My therapist would be so happy, so proud of me, the way that I set up myself for success um, with the recording of this part two of my existential crisis. Hard topics sad topics, tough topics. If you listen to the last episode, part one, you'll want to listen to part one to be caught up to speed and um, up to the point of where we're discussing today. Um, But if you listen to that, you could tell um, towards the end, especially it can become hard for me to discuss these topics because they were semi-recent and I'm still not fully healed from these situations. Um, so my therapist would be proud of me because I set myself up for success. What I mean by that is I knew this would be a little, a little tough to record this episode just as it was of the last one. So I practiced some self-care before this. I did a face mask. I plucked my eyebrows, washed my face. I had some ice cream. Yeah, I just really took care of myself. I zoned in. I was mindful for a good hour. And now I'm ready to dive into my feelings and revisit some uncomfortable topics for myself. But again, in a good way, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm okay with sharing this or else I wouldn't be obviously sharing it on my podcast. So again, no top three today. Um, this story is probably going to be just as long as the last episode. So we're going to jump right into it. Where we left off last time was talking about the medications that I was on and how they crossed with the mental health medication that I take Prozac for my anxiety. I said that I was going to pull up as well, um, that you should not be on Prozac and nortriptyline together. I said that I was going to research that last episode and I didn't. So I want to do that with you right now. So I have Google pulled up and I'm just going to look up mixing nor. Mm. 
and Prozac. We have to cut this up because... Okay, here we go. Talk to your doctor before using nortriptyline and fluoxetine. This combination may cause sedation, dry mouth, blurred vision, constipation, and urinary... (laughs) Urinary retention. In addition... Combining these medications can increase the risk of a rare but serious condition called serotonin syndrome, which may include symptoms such as confusion, hallucination, seizure, extreme changes in blood pressure, increased heart rate, fever, excessive sweating, shivering or shaking, blurred vision, muscle spasms or stiffness, tremor, incoordination, stomach cramp, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Severe cases may result in coma and even death. So, yeah, (laughs) Uh, I definitely was not supposed to be taking both of them. However, I did not know, and I keep clearing my throat. I'm so sorry, everybody. It's because the way that I'm sitting, let me, let me do you guys a solid and take a sip of water here. Hopefully that'll stop the madness. Um, However, I was taking both for four months without knowing I shouldn't have been and without knowing how serious the side effects of taking both were. So out of those li- that list of what it could cause, I would say... Um, people, people were, my family was worried, they were worried about me having serotonin syndrome, which we'll do some research on after this, but never diagnosed, never talked to any professionals about that. I did have these symptoms, confusion, um, hallucination, just that one time, extreme changes in blood pressure I did have. Increased heart rate, I did have excessive sweating, no. Um, in coordination, yes. I remember feeling very like vertigo y a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I'd say those were <clears throat> the symptoms I had out of the ones that were listed in that. So let's look up serotonin syndrome. Serotonin syndrome is a potentially life-threatening drug reaction. It causes the body to have too much serotonin, a chemical produced by some nerve cells. Serotonin syndrome most often occurs when two or more medicines or drugs that affect the body's level of serotonin are taken together at the same time. The medicines cause too much serotonin to be released or to remain in the brain area. For example, you can develop the syndrome if you take migraine medicines, blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much 
I want to like learn more about what happens. Okay. Signs of serotonin syndrome. And this is from Mayo Clinic. Again, Mayo, if you're listening, please respond to me. (laughs) I'm begging you. Um, Serotonin is a chemical that the body produces naturally. It's needed for the nerve cells and brain to function, but too much serotonin causes signs and symptoms that can range from mild to severe. Severe serotonin syndrome can cause death if not treated. Serotonin syndrome can occur when you increase the dose of certain medications or start taking a new drug. It's often caused by combining medications that contain serotonin, such as migraine medications and an antidepressant. Some illicit drugs and dietary supplements are associated with serotonin syndrome. Symptoms include agitation and restlessness, insomnia, confusion, rapid heart rate and high blood pressure, dilated pupils, loss of muscle coordination or twitching muscles, high blood pressure, muscle rigidity, 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 (laughs) heavy sweating, again, diarrhea, headache, shivering, goosebumps. Severe serotonin syndrome can be life-threatening. Signs include high fever, tremor, seizures, irregular heartbeat, unconsciousness. So that is serotonin syndrome. What I'm trying to say is I was raw dogging. Again, I'm using the term. Sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, but I was raw dogging this medication mix and potentially, potentially serotonin syndrome without knowing it was going on. And my circumstances outside of just this one um, issue in itself with the medication happening, my circumstances otherwise um, continued to get worse in my personal life. So like I said in part one, I had quit my job because it was unhealthy and straight up, I just was not having a good time. (laughs) And it's not as light as that. Um, But yeah, I quit my job. We had just moved into, we being me and my ex, had just moved into a rental home, a house. Um, Moving in itself is stressful, but moving after I had just almost overdosed. And after I had just, um, I was still working when we were moving. I hadn't quit yet. I quit once we were in the house. So that stressor was not there, but the stressor of my job on top of it. And like the, like I said, in part one, the questioning of the legitimacy of my work while I was really ill. And after I almost passed away, (laughs) um, put those stressors on top of moving and it was the holiday season. We were moving during the holiday season, which was not amazing either. Um, so many stressors on top of it. And I think the timing of me going to the hospital, us having to be out of the apartment, and then moving into the house was like nearly like back to back to back. <laughs> and I was so like referencing back to what can happen after you mix those drugs. I was so weak. I couldn't walk up. I remember at Mammal, 
my office was on the top floor and I always took the stairs. I didn't prefer to take the elevator, but towards the end of my job, I had to take the elevator because my health and my body like literally wouldn't, I couldn't get up the stairs. If you worked with me and you remember seeing me at work after I came back from being sick, I promise there are a few of you that would remember (laughs) whenever I would go up and down the stairs to my office, I would like have to sit down and catch my breath once I was done. And like, I'm, I was, I still am 22, but I'm 22 in good health just had never been a thing for me. It was literally like the minute that I got sick with influenza A and with this medication um, issue, like everything about my health changed. And once I once was in good health, like I wasn't in bad health, did I have health issues like my autoimmune diseases in my um, eating disorder? Yes, but I was in good health. I was in very amazing health, actually. I would, I mean, outside of obviously the eating disorder, I was not in amazing health, but like my whole life I've been in good health. And the minute that this happened, <laughs> it felt like all of it just. I was immediately like 80 years old. So yeah, my office was on the third floor. I always took the stairs. I started to find out that I could no longer walk up the stairs at work um, without feeling like my lungs were going to collapse. So I had to start taking the elevator at work. (laughs) Um, Let's, the reason I'm saying this is because my body was so tired and so um, worn out from this, like, I'm pretty sure my body probably went through shock after this situation. Um, I couldn't help us move. Like I, um, I got everything into like boxes in the apartment and, um, like bubble wrapped things that were breakable and all that stuff. Like I helped pack, but I could not help us move. Like I couldn't lift the boxes, I couldn't lift and walk the boxes without <clears throat> feeling like I was going to collapse. Like I was no help at all. And um, yeah, I didn't do a single, I, did, I don't think I moved a single box because I couldn't. Um, so that made it hard. That was a lot of work on my ex um, because yeah, he had to like physically move everything alone and with his friends and family. So, but yeah, um, looking back now, I thought that that was just because I was coming off of the flu and like my body needed to recover, but I was coming off like 10 times more than that (laughs) and I had no idea. I just thought I was being like a baby and a brat for not helping (laughs) move, but um, it really makes sense now. (laughs) So where we're at now is we've covered the flu. We've covered the overdose. We've covered quitting my job. Next came a breakup, unfortunately. Very unfortunately, because I was in a relationship for almost four years. It would be four years like this week (laughs) or next week. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. Um, And then you throw everything else that was happening on top of it, made it 
um, horrible, <laughs> horrible. Um, so let's get into, obviously I'm not going to get into details as with a relationship, there is always two sides of the story and it's not, I can tell my side of the story, but it's not that other side of the story. It's not mine to tell. And I know there's already differing opinions and I'm not here to debunk them or to like tell details that people don't need to know. I'm just talking through a period in my life that um, all hell broke loose. And unfortunately, this is a part of it. So I don't want to breeze over it because it was a very big part as to why all hell broke loose and to why I'm calling this a crisis. And also it escalated my situation probably 2,000 times worse than what it already was. Um, so it's going to be talked about, um, but I'm going to have to be very careful and very respectful um, because it's just how it be right now. And <clears throat> I don't want to be hurting anyone's feelings or causing any issues. Um, unfortunately, I have to make that disclaimer. So like I said, at this point in time, I was struggling with obviously physical health struggling, but emotionally and with my mental health, I was struggling. I felt lost. I felt unheard. I felt um, unsupported at this point in time because nobody understood what I was going through. I don't blame people for not understanding what I was going through because like I've said a thousand times over and over again, there was no way for me to like explain in one sitting what was going on to somebody and not like talk their ear off um, or lose my voice. Literally, I told a few friends this and I told my family this at this point in time. I was like fighting for my story and like what was happening to me so hard and like trying also to just like talk with people about it and like get it off my chest, but also be like, do you know anything about this? Like, can you help me? Have you heard of this? Can you just be in here to listen? I would lose my voice by Friday. Um, I would also be trying to like make my point so hard at home I would lose my voice <laughs> by Friday. So there was a lot of like fighting for myself, standing up for myself happening, and it was wearing me the heck out, um, not only in my personal life, but then also in this relationship. So what it ultimately ended up coming down to and something that I think my, well, not I think, that I know and I've discussed with my family, um, they've had, they had a hard time and Hence, one of the reasons we were not, um, none of us were on talking terms. I was not none of us. I was not on talking terms with any of them after a point in time of this breakup um, because it was really hard for my family and a lot of my friends um, to see my ex as 
I don't want to say a bad guy. I'm not saying like painting. I'm not saying that. But it was really hard for them to see like a negative side to our relationship. And towards the end, there were a lot of negatives and I didn't share them um, with anybody until the end. And so it like didn't make sense to anyone why we broke up um, because only the positive had been shared. Um, Yeah. So like I said, or like I was trying to say, that made it really tough when the breakup happened because then I felt like <laughs> literally my only my own family was like doubting the legitimacy in my story, which I knew my story was true the whole time. Um, and I knew like my perception was my perception and it's what happened to me. And that's just how it made me feel. Um, I also like validate people having a hard time grasping negatives of that relationship because, and I have said this to people over and over again, um, just to clarify for those who think I've just been talking horribly on this person's name the whole time, I have not. Um, Seriously, (laughs) I don't don't know where you guys are getting your information because it's all been incorrect, seriously. Um, I've been saying to people, I understand and I validate that because it was all good for um, three years and like nine months. Like I'd say 99% of the time it was all good, but that 1% was like a deal breaker and the 1% was like an undoable 1% if that makes sense. So that's why you know, um, it can be really, really good for a long time until it's not good. And that's just how it was. Um, and I'll get into why and why I stood up for myself, why I decided to make the decision I did. And it's not like an ego kicker. It's not a downer. It's just a, this was the situation. I'm not going to go into too much detail because, like I said, I'm not trying to air it out on here, but what it came down to is just um, a common theme that I had expressed for months was um, just wanting more help around the house. Um, I worked full-time, my ex worked full-time, but it's a full-time job taking care of, like, it can be a full-time job taking care of um like your laundry another person's laundry a dog um like keeping up with at least my criteria of a clean space and also at this time it wasn't just me being like nitpicky it was like my space has to be clean and like I have to surface clean daily (laughs) and like deep clean every other week because my immune system is so low that I was getting sick off of anything. And so it was like crucial for um, my space to be clean. Um, Another thing that was crucial for me and something that was at the end a deal breaker was like organization and a routine. 
with my eating disorder, I have to have a routine and I have a whole episode dedicated to that. I have to have um, what my routine was when I lived in this house and what my routine was when I lived with this person that I created for myself through eating disorder recovery was um, grocery shopping on, it was either Sundays or Mondays, um, meal prepping and or just planning out what the meals for the week were going to be for us and or for myself for lunches, packing snacks, doing all that kind of stuff, making sure my fridge was organized with my food because with eating disorders, specifically mine, um, in my case, like the food that I'm eating has to be visible to me, like in the fridge and in the pantry, if it's like hidden behind something or if it's not on my eye level, I literally will never pay attention to it and I will never eat it and all the food will go expired. And so like there's just small lifestyle things like that that I had been trying to work on um, with that situation for a long time um, and also like verbally asking um, with help help with it <laughs> um, and it was getting to be a lot for me. Um, I'm not going to go into detail and it may sound so minuscule, but if you're a female and you have not been helped around the house, <laughs> you know how bad it can bother you and how just it's not a, it's not a big ask. It's really not a big ask. And I asked a lot and it never got fixed and there were other things on top of it, but this was the main thing. And once it came down to it, and this is something that I still say to this day and I talk about a lot, especially with like people who are married, is everything in that relationship was great up until the end. This was the biggest issue up until the end. And what I had to look at myself and question after our first argument about this type of stuff was like a year prior to or yeah, <laughs> longer than a year prior to the breakup. So it had been a long time of repeating myself and asking the same things and teaching things and that kind of stuff that I had to just sit down and think. Our relationship is great. This person is my best friend. I, you know, feel at home. I have a family. I have a family unit. I have, you know, a structure here. Um, I created a separate life with this person outside of the life that I made with my family, um, like my parents and my sisters. But in the future, will this person be able to help me when I need help if we have kids? Will this person be able to help me if I'm asking now, hey, can you simply just help me with laundry and it can't get done, what happens when there's maybe two more people that we have to do laundry for? Am I going to be doing four people's laundry and working full-time and doing grocery shopping and deep cleaning? Like, I'm not a workhorse and also that's the reason why I kept getting sick and the reason why I kept almost, well not kept one of the reasons I almost passed away. <laughs> so it just, I was a broken record. It got to the point where I was like thinking long-term, 
if it's been asked over and over and over and over again, when is it going to give? Is it going to give? Is this something that I want to condone in a relationship? Do I want to be the only one doing all the work at home in my relationship? And the answer was no. Um, so yeah, that was like, I feel like the quick synopsis of it. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, the dirty, the way it got out of hand. I'll touch on it. Um, but that's pretty much the gist of the, the why and the breaking point in that. Um, and then once the breakup happened is when my perception of it is, um, when it started to get unhealthy, um, and out of control. So <clears throat> it was, um, you know, help around the house cleaning, like I said, but just like, um, even renting a house, you have a lot more responsibilities than what you had, like renting an apartment. I had lived in an apartment in an apartment, um, from 2019 through 2022. Um, and moving into that house, obviously we didn't own it. We were renting it, but like we had to keep up. I, I didn't do yard work and it also wasn't like spring yet, but like picking up dog poop in the back, picking up trash to make sure that the dog's not eating things that she's not supposed to, getting harmful things out of the yard that were left there that the dog shouldn't have ate, um, picking up trash that blew into the yard, sweeping dust off of the patio, taking the trash out on the day that it needs to be taked out, taked out on the day that it needs to be taken out, um, stuff like that. Are, those were additional responsibilities that we didn't have in the apartment and they did not blow over well because I also acquired all of these things. Um, and again, not a T. It's just like um, where I was at with that was, and not with that situation specifically, but where I am at and where I have been at for a while is I just want to be in love with the person that I'm dating and I want to be their friend and I want to be their teammate. I do not want to be my boyfriend's mom. I do not want to be my fiance's mom and I do not want to be my husband's mom. And for some people, they want that. For me, I am not a fixer. Um, I'm not a... and. I'm not saying that for this person specifically. I'm just saying that's a broad term that people use in situations like this. <laughs> I'm not a fixer. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a, you know, like I, I'm happy to once or twice, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to work on something the entire time we're together, <laughs> you know, other than like working on our relationship in healthy ways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's not a project. And also, can I tell you how tiring it is 
to voice your opinion and voice your feelings over and 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 over again over an extended period of time and never have it be heard, acted upon, or validated. Um, this is where I started to use the word um, manipulation in my vocabulary with this certain situation because from my perception, that is how it was at the end. Um, my reason behind saying that is because clear as day, I would say and ask what I was needing from this person um, as, you know, explicitly as humanly possible, um, either written out on paper, um, verbally, over text, um, like thousands of different ways, tried it a ton of different ways, approached it a ton of different ways, um, only for it to be unheard and or um, like get a blank stare. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so like imagine every time you tried to bring something up to somebody that's important to you that you want to see changed or that's hurting your feelings, they look at you like they have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And imagine that happening every time you talk to somebody. And also imagine how much that kicks your confidence, your self-confidence down. And so therefore, do you see where I'm going with manipulation and gaslighting a little bit? Just at least the, let's do some research on the terms so that maybe you can see how the example that I just gave can be considered that, in fact. I am back on Google and I looked up just what is gaslighting and it took me to um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline website. So it's a .org and I really love this article. Um, it's just titled, What is Gaslighting? Um, it says this term comes from the 1938 stage play Gaslight in which a husband attempts to drive his wife crazy by dimming the lights, which were powered by gas, in their home, and then he denies that the light changed when his wife points it out. It's an extremely effective form of emotional abuse that causes a victim to question their own feelings, instincts, and sanity, which gives the abusive partner a lot of power, and we know that abuse is about power and control. Once an abusive partner has broken down the victim's ability to trust their own perceptions, the victim is more likely to stay in the abusive relationship. There are a variety of gaslighting techniques that an abusive partner might use. Withholding, countering, blocking slash diverting, trivializing, forgetting slash denial. Gaslighting happens very gradually in a relationship. In fact, the abusive partner's actions may seem harmless at first. Over time, however, these abusive patterns continue and a victim can become confused, anxious, isolated, and depressed 
and they can lose all sense of what is actually happening. This happened to me. (laughs) Then they start relying on the abusive partner more and more to define reality, which creates a very difficult situation to escape. Um, Yeah, so that's a good, great article. Um, And then I also wanted to pull up, this is 16 examples. I think the word gaslight is thrown around a little too lightly in today's society. And so I think it makes it hard to identify when it's actually happening. And so that's why I wanted to give examples um, so that you can get an understanding of verbally um, the types of sentences or the types of reactions in a situation that could cause you to raise a red flag in the future. And I am familiar with some of these statements, unfortunately, not only in this situation, but in past relationships um, prior to this one. Um, Number one, that never happened. Number two, you're crazy and other people think so too. Number three, I'm sorry you think that I hurt you. Number four, do you really think I'd make that up? Number five, you're just trying to confuse me or you aren't making any sense. Um, number seven, I skipped number six just to not have a super long list. I did that because I love you. Um, yeah, there's... really good examples here, but yeah, um, it can be intentional. Gaslighting can be intentional. It can also be unfortunately unintentional. Does that mean it's excusable? No. Um, do I know what the situation was in this specific instance? No, because I'm, I, how would I ever know that answer? Um, But I do know, like, going back to, I think what made me feel crazy in this situation was, like, I'm saying and doing everything that I can to, like, ask for the change and the help that I want. But it's almost like those words simply do not register with this person and that, like, the forgetting slash denial or the blocking slash diverting came in. Um, like it literally, these conversations did not exist in this person's mind. Therefore, it made me go crazy trying to beg for the treatment that I wanted and the expectations that I had for myself. Because like I said, this conversation and these types of conversations simply would not register register or exist. And if they did, they would get denied forgotten or um, disappear into thin air, essentially. That's enough of that. So that's what happened. And then we have this house that we were renting together. Um, first of all, you know what? I'm not getting you know what? I am going to get into the issues with this house. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm so mad about this. 
I'm still so mad about this. Again, back on the whole, I needed my space to be clean because I was sick. And it wasn't like a me being a nitpicky bitch. It was like for my health. (laughs) Seriously, I can't have any dust in here. And the person who owned this house knew that. And I remember actually the day that we went over to sign the lease, or apparently just the ex signed the lease, lol, um, said house owner was like, I know like you just got off, just got done like, or just got over being sick and like how important it is for like the space to be clean. So we have professional cleaners coming. So like, don't even worry about it type of thing. Like, let me know if they don't come. You guys, he swears that they came. (laughs) He swears. They didn't. And I can say that with my gut, chest, soul, and entire being. And I will take that to my grave. They did not come. Also, like his old pumice stones in the drawers, hairs in the drawers, dust bunnies, dirt inside of things. just horrible stuff guys horrible stuff and I left it for a little while because I was like I didn't have the time and I also didn't have the effort and again if I wasn't doing it who was doing it nobody so we just lived in filth we paid to live in filth essentially congratulations to us for getting played literally (laughs) yeah but Anyway, that happened and then it came to, um, okay, like what are we going to do about the whole living situation because we actually lived shockingly pretty civilly in the house together for a little while. There were a few arguments and a lot of times that I begged him to go stay somewhere else, um, which I think happened one night. Um, I asked him, I want to say three or four times, I stayed elsewhere all of the times I asked him to stay somewhere else. Um, this is something I want to visit because I don't know who was putting this in his ear, but this goes back to the manipulation conversation. Um, and this sticks with me. Like I hear this snippet in my voice or in my, um, head to this day still. And it haunts me. It seriously haunts me. Every time I asked for a damn emotional break and for fuck's sake, I didn't want to leave the house, um, or get out of my routine because like I said, and not in a selfish way, I needed my damn routine. I need to be with the food that I need to eat for my eating disorder. I need to be with the food that was on my meal plan. I need to be near all my necessities, which was my food. Um, I need a routine for my eating disorder. So therefore, I thought it was pretty respectable and okay for me to say, hey, I'm a little overwhelmed and we are not dating and we're living in the same house right now and I pay just as much money as the, for this house as you do. Can you go sleep somewhere else? However, Either it was friends or family chirping in his ear that every time I'm mad at him, I can't ask him to leave. And then that would get repeated back to me. (laughs) And then I would be the end up one ending up finding to go like, or 
I would be the one who ended up finding a place to stay. (sighs) Yeah, you guys. (laughs) So it started to get, I started to get angry because I was like, what the fuck is happening? And like, am I, am I crazy? Oops, there's that. Am I crazy? Or like, is this the most bizarre situation in the world? And I started to spiral going like, I am crazy. I'm feeling crazy. They're making me feel crazy. I need to get the F out of this house. And so I did. Um, I left the house and I want to talk about MLK Day specifically because this day changed my life in a negative way. <laughs> And this day set the tone for what I should have prepared for mentally, but had no idea how Matrix and movie-like my life was going to get after MLK Day. So our timeline is getting a little jumpy now. Um, I wanted to tell the bulk of that story breakup story before I got into MLK Day. Um, I'm not done with the details of that and the events of that, but I do want to clarify that on MLK Day and during this experience that I'm going to talk about next, um, I was still at UNO and I was still living inside the house with my ex. So I hadn't moved out of the house yet and I had not quit my job yet. But this was probably like a week or two before um, I quit my job. I had already broken up with my ex and um, yeah, I had not moved out of the house yet. So timeline is a little um, like mixed up right now, Um, but I'm doing it with reason. So let's talk about MLK Day and gosh, this one is not awesome to talk about. MLK Day was, um, gosh, let's go back on the calendar just so I can refresh myself. And we have some more UNO stuff to talk about with MLK Day. Um, MLK Day 2022. It's, it's 2023. Oh my God. Well, I'm an idiot. It's always on a Monday. (laughs) Gosh, dang it. That's embarrassing. It's always on a Monday. So yeah, Monday, January 16th, 2023. Um, On this day, technically it wasn't on MLK Day. It was the day after MLK Day. So Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday, um. I had a visit at UNL with my boss, um, with the Center for Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Franchising down there. So keep that in your mind. I had a full work day, nine to five. I was working nine to five at this point in time. So yes, I did. Um, And we are making the trip down to Lincoln. Um, That night prior, so the morning um, of this trip to Lincoln, Um, 
the night prior, I needed it was another one of those nights that I needed to get out of the house with my ex. Um and at this point in time, again, I keep using the term fight or flight. Let's look up the term fight or flight so that you guys know the definition of it if you are unfamiliar. Um, but at this point in time, I was very fight or flighty. Um, and I would feel um, like my safety. And I'm not saying also, let me clarify. This is cut here. This is totally a tangent. Apparently, there are people out there telling people that I'm telling people that my ex hit me, and I've never said that with my words, ever. And so when I say, like, threatened for my safety and stuff like that and all that kind of stuff, I was not feeling physically threatened, and I've never, ever, never fucking said that. (laughs) Never fucking said that. I'm going to say it again. I've never fucking said that. (laughs) So anyway. When I say like I felt threatened, that's not what I'm saying. When I say I feel or felt threatened, it's like part of the fight or flight response of it's like a frightening or stressful event, fight or flight happens. And then when that would happen, I would like flee out of a space, flee out of like I need to get out of here because I literally can't. I My body was registering these situations as like life or death. So fight or flight, the definition of it is, and I don't want to go to a .com. Let's go to the American Institute of Stress, .org. How the fight or flight response works. The fight or flight response, also known as the acute stress response, refers to a site. physiological reaction that occurs in the presence of something that is terrifying either mentally or physically. The response is triggered by the release of hormones that prepare your body to either stay and deal with a threat or to run away to safety. The term fight or flight represents the choices that our ancient ancestors had when faced with danger in their environment. They could either fight or flee. In either case, the physiological and psychological response to stress prepares the body to react to the danger. The fight-or-flight response was first described in the 1920s by American physiologist, I don't know, big words, Walter Cannon. Cannon realized that a chain of rapidly occurring reactions inside the body helped to mobilize the body's resources to deal with threatening circumstances. Today, the fight-or-flight response is recognized as a part of the first stage of Hans, I can't, that's a funky last name. Whatever. General adaptation syndrome, a theory describing the stress response. Um, in response to acute stress, the body's sympathetic nervous system is activated due to the sudden release of hormones. The sympathetic nervous system stimulate the adrenal glands, triggering the release of catat. Whatever the fuck, you guys. This is why I'm not in the medical industry. <laughs> which includes adrenaline and noradrenaline. I don't know what the fuck that is. This result is an increase is an increase in heart rate, blood pressure, and breathing rate. After the threat is gone, it takes 20 to 60 minutes for the body to return to its pre-arousal levels. Um, the fight or flight response can happen in the face of a physical danger, yeah, um, or 
as a result of a more psychological threat. Um, these are some of the physical signs that may indicate that the flight or flight response has kicked in. Rapid heart be- heartbeat and breathing, pale or flushed skin, dilated pupils. Um, so again, I had like, I had fight or flight um, responses. Um, I'd say January through March, my body was in fight or flight. Um, uh, <laughs> this sounds so bad, but it's true. Like 90% of the time. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Um, so I went fight or flight and I wanted to get out of that house that night. And so I left pretty late. I think I left at like 1130 and it was like a Monday night and people worked the next day. And so I left and I needed to find a place to stay. But I also um, had just gotten a new phone and said new phone. I uh, hadn't set it up correctly yet. So it was not working. It was working as an iPod. So like if I left my house and I didn't have Wi-Fi, I couldn't contact people. I couldn't get like directions. I couldn't do anything. Um, I couldn't contact people. And I didn't think about that when I left the house. So I leave the house. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to contact people. I just need to get out of here. And the option of him leaving was obviously not an option, as we've discussed. (laughs) So I immediately drive to Papillion um, because that's where at that point in time my best friend was living and also like my family is over here and I wasn't in a great relationship with them at this point in time, but it's just where I was naturally wired to go. It felt safe. It felt correct. And so I started heading towards Papillion. Um, I then find out that I can't contact anybody. Like I couldn't even, for whatever reason, my phone was so royally fucked at this point in time. (laughs) I couldn't even like send it as a text message. I couldn't contact people. So I was like, fuck. So I pull into the apartment complex that's behind um, Walmart in Papillion just because I needed, I was trying to like figure out what I was going to do while I was driving and I needed to stop doing that. I needed to pull over. I didn't feel like pulling over in the Walmart parking lot. Um, I felt safe at this complex because I know a few different people who live there. So I park in the parking lot. I, um, connect to a Cox Wi-Fi hotspot and start mass again, contacting people. This is when the first, you need a roommate (laughs) or, um, can I live with you? Can I crash with you? These are when all those first random messages started getting sent because I was desperate. And also, yeah, whatever. (laughs) So that. Obviously, I'm not hearing from anybody, Um, like my close friends that I had contacted. And I'm like, okay, fuck. Let's see if my my parents are probably not awake, but I know they'll let me stay with them if I need to. So I go to my parents' house and they're asleep. I can't remember the garage code. Do know at this point in time as well, I, like I said, lost a lot of my memory. I think I said that in last the last episode. They never changed it, but I literally just couldn't remember it. So I pull up to their house thinking that I'm going to have like a safe place to stay this night. And 
I can't get in and they're asleep and they wouldn't answer the phones. So I have to drive my ass back to the house and sleep there that night. <laughs> so I do. Next day is the Lincoln visit and let's get into the Lincoln visit. And that like that drive is an important detail just because it shows you like how bad I wanted to get out of the house that I was like willing to go and essentially have no plan um, to get a break from being there and um, that I had no options that night. So yeah, let's get into the Lincoln trip the next day for work. So the Lincoln trip, oh, I just kicked my trash can. (laughs) Lincoln trip happens. I am on not a great amount of sleep. Um, I go to work the next morning and we're riding to Lincoln in my boss's car at that point. So we go to Lincoln. That was great. Well, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't bad, but I mean, um, I don't really know how to describe (laughs) my situation at that point, but just yeah, whatever. I'm going to breeze over that. Um, and just know that going to Lincoln kind of spiked my fight or flight anyway, (laughs) um, because I was roofied in there, in there. I was roofied there in high school with my friend Miranda and hospitalized both of us. Um, that's why I don't go to Husker games and that's why I never party in Lincoln. Um, because I am scared of Lincoln. Um, so Artie was kind of fight or flighty from just going there and having to like, we were literally like in the same area as where I got hospitalized <laughs> and in the same area of where I was found by the police um, when I was repeat. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't fun to go to Lincoln, but I had to go to Lincoln uh, for work. So I come back. I'm in not an amazing mood because um, of just going to Lincoln. Also, work always put me in bad in a bad mood. So I come back. Oh, that day, the bad mood also escalated because we have the trip to Lincoln. Oh, get a load of this fucking story, you guys. <laughs> oh, I forget about this. But I was mad, I think, mostly because of this at the end of the day when I got home. And the anger is an important um, discussion. So trip to Lincoln and then there was still some day left. So I go back to Mammal. And like I said, the day before was MLK Day. So I did not work on MLK Day. I had the option to either like work on MLK Day and then like take a different like floating holiday off or uh, take the day off. And I chose to take the day off because I needed a freaking break. Oh my God. I needed a break. And so I took it off, which means the last time that I was at work was that Friday previously. That Friday previously, um, a check had come in the mail that we as a center needed, I guess. I didn't know what this check was for. I didn't know who it was from. I had, I just knew we had it and I needed to pick it up and put it from the mailroom and put it in my boss's office. And so I did that on Friday. This is an important note. <laughs> um, so I get back to Mammal after Lincoln and my boss is like, hey, I need you to go drop off that check to um, Elevator. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. 
Um, it's like I have my own work <laughs> that I need to do for the week. Um, and so I'm trying to get it done fast. I'm not like rushing, but I'm trying to get this trip and um, Aaron run fast because um, I had my own stuff to do, which I think people tend – uh, they forgot that, that I had my own stuff to do at UNL. <laughs> yeah. And not stuff to do for other people all the time. Um, that I had actually my own stuff to do as well. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Um, so I go to the school. I, again, I'm trying to hurry up because I have stuff to do. Um, I, my supervisor wasn't in that day to my, um, because of Lincoln to my, oh, like, to what I was aware of. And so I was just like, okay, go and grab it where you put the check at because he hasn't been in. So therefore it should still be exactly where you placed it. So I grab um, the pile of papers and it was not, the check wasn't there. So I get to, uh, and again, you guys, memory is bad, so I don't notice. Um, I drive all the way to elevator, hand him the completely wrong thing. Um, he, yeah, I'm going to do it on you. Um, this situation pissed me off very badly because both of these people, um, I was doing a lot for both of these people and this one specific person didn't even work there anymore. (laughs) So I also was picking up this person's mess a lot of the time. And so when I handed this incorrect thing to him and the way that he reacted and the way that he treated me for this was incredibly disrespectful in my opinion and it also kind of was the camp the straw that broke the camel's back because I was like are you fucking kidding me I so anyway I hand off the I hand him the wrong thing he treats me like shit gets all upset even though it was his thing and that he probably should have been the one to come get the check and it was his client that he was giving the check to and it was his thing that he didn't do like six months ago (laughs) so anyway was it my problem and also not my mess that I created. It was yours. So I drive my ass back to you know and I get the check. Um but boss has opened the envelope with the check. So there's nothing that I and I'm quickly, frantically after I just get got berated by this man, um, and berated by my boss on the phone because of course that man uh tattled to <laughs> this man. Um I shouldn't be saying man either. <laughs> they do not act like men. Um, so I'm frantically, I grab it. The check has been opened. So I have nothing to deliver it. And it was a like in, and it was a pretty hefty check. So I'm like, I'm not just going to be loosely carrying this thing. And also it would be my luck to like have it blow away in the wind in this situation or like open my car door and have it fly out the window. So we had Panera. Uh, And this is all I had on me. This is all I had on me and I had to do it. (laughs) We had Panera at Lincoln, uh, like, and it was delivered in like the Panera boxes. And so I had to deliver this check in this freaking Panera box because I had to walk it in too. And I, I don't know. I didn't want to be freaking liable. And these people were (laughs) treating me like ass anyway. So I was trying to cover my tracks anywhere I could just to make it a little easier on me in the future, even if it looked funky, I don't care. So anyway, I 
get called and get yelled at by my boss for that and dropping off the wrong one, whatever. Why would you do that? Why would you think that was what you were supposed to drop off? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to be honest. The situation, I feel like I'm always picking up people's messes that aren't mine. And in this situation, that really rubbed me the wrong way because it was not the first time this had happened with this person. And also, I'm not this person's assistant. (laughs) I work at this school. I don't work at Elevator. And if you knew what was going on in my freaking life in the last 24 hours, and that Lincoln wasn't easy for me, and fuck, you guys are yelling at me and making me feel like shit for something that isn't even my issue. Oh my god, yeah, I was definitely pissed when I got home from work that day. Obviously, it was my issue that I didn't bring the correct thing, but the moral and the premise of the entire story is that um, it was not my job, and it was also not somebody that I worked for. (laughs) So anyway, of course, yes, I'm so pissed when I get home because of my day at work. I also get home. um, I was staying at my parents that day. Get home to my parents and I'm going to go to the Apple store to trade in. I believe it was my old phone. Um, I don't, I was doing, getting rid of all my old Apple devices because they all were up and like it was all at the same time. So I don't remember, but what I was trading in had gotten misplaced and I had only been staying in one room at my parents. And I knew like where I had put it. And so I was like contacting them. Hey, where is it? Hey, I'm trying to trade this in. They don't know where it is. That pissed me off. I was already upset, sad, reactive, being overdramatic at this point probably. Yeah. But I was so just frazzled from the day. And I also was very fragile at, at in this moment of time anyway um, with all the distress <laughs> going on. <laughs> and so – Anyway, I'm like, fuck this. I'm going for a drive. And so I go drive around and I'm angry, but I'm not driving like aggressively to like, it wasn't harmful and it wasn't like, I wasn't driving aggressively, period. But um, apparently to my parents, it was aggressively. (laughs) And um, when I got home, um, we got in an argument and um, they called the police on me. And their reasoning for calling the police on me was because they thought I was schizophrenic. I'm not schizophrenic, and I've never had symptoms of being schizophrenic either. So I'm not a thousand percent sure where this came from. This goes way back to the um, what I was saying about the generational gap and what I'd been talking to police about, hence this. So that was the first like what I was saying I should prepare myself for more because this was not the only situation like this unfortunately um police get called and I hear the police getting called and I'm like begging for them to not because I know I'm fine I know I just had a hard day I know that I'm like not schizophrenic and not crazy but everyone for whatever reason wouldn't take the time to just understand me and what I was going through and let me talk um and just called me crazy which unfortunately, is like the success story of somebody who's manipulating and gaslighting you is to have other people then turn around and also call you crazy and essentially validate what you're saying about this person. Um, So that made me feel powerless. That made me feel 
to be honest, like an idiot, like a psychopath and like a crazy bitch when I knew that I was not. (laughs) Yeah. So I hear them calling the police and I'm begging for them not to. I run to the phone and I essentially say my name, first name, last name, age, that it's not true and I'm completely fine. And if they just interacted with me in person, like seriously, I'm fine. Whatever. This has happened before, I also said, because not to this extent, but like misunderstandings with my mental health and my family is nothing new. And and that's unfortunately, but we've discussed this before. And we've also been moving past it. Yay. Um, but I was essentially begging, like, for fuck's sake, why? Like, no, I'm fine. And no, I'm not. So then they get there. They're like, okay, clearly she is fine. <laughs> Let's get her out of this house because it doesn't seem like she wants to be here uh, now. Because, of course, no, I did not. Um, so we, I had two – there was three. Two came first and then there was three. Really young, it seemed, and kind police officers. And they helped me gather my stuff from the room that I was staying in my parents and walk it down, go out to my car, get me to my car, make sure I have everything that I need. Let me back up and say, um, right as they got here, they separated me and my parents and kind of like talked to both of us about what happened. And yeah, that just, I'm not even going to get into that because I don't want to reopen wounds, but it just was like so bad, (laughs) so bad. And so inaccurate, the um, claims that they were making about me, but they really thought that they were correct because they didn't understand me and they didn't understand what I was going through or what had happened to me. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, one really kind police officer, he was upstairs with me getting my stuff rounded and he was like, who can we call for you to stay tonight or stay with tonight? Because I was saying like, this house is not an option. And then going back to my ex's house where I live, like my house is also not an option. So he's like, who can we call? He let me call, um, one of my good friends, past good friends on the phone. Um, and I was able to thankfully stay with her that night. So grateful for both of them, her and her husband, allowing me to um, like come stay there that night um, because I would have had, I don't know where else I would have gone. Um, and it probably wouldn't have been a great situation for me to stay at my parents that night. Um, but that shook me. That scared me. Um, but it was like the least scary thing that was going to happen to me in the next <laughs> few months. Unfortunately, it just got a lot worse than this. But that was uh, the beginning of a lot of random calls on me that traumatized and scarred me for the rest of my life that didn't need to happen. (laughs) So the situation with my family, obviously now, like I said, we were on bad terms before this, was a thousand times worse. And I stopped communicating with all of them. I blocked everyone on socials. I blocked everyone on their phone numbers. I simply did not want to be contacted by them because I was so hurt by the situation and everybody was on my parents' side, including like spouses and like, oh my fuck, yeah, it was my entire family against me and my entire family with my ex against me, which is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like I said, it totally made him think he won, but he was not winning. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's not a winner, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, um, 
after this though, I'm like, okay, the friend that I stayed at that their um their house that night, they don't want me to live here. I don't want to live here either. Like it's their home, it's their vibe. I'm not gonna ask, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? A married couple to move in with them. Um, I didn't want to sign a lease because I knew I wanted to move. I really wanted to move to Salt Lake City, hence the trip, hence the me moving there. And then I got pulled back. Actually, I came back because I missed my dog. Whatever. Okay, we'll get back into that. Sorry. Rambling. <laughs> Gosh. Ah, okay. So, um, but I'm like, okay, I have nowhere to go. I I can't stay at my parents and I'm like, I have work and stuff. Like I have to keep a routine. I I have shit to do. I thought I was going to be able to like live at my parents and stay there. Um, and then the whole police calling thing happened. And so I'm like, okay, great. I'm going back to the house. Like I, I'm going to back to my home because unfortunately, even though that situation at home is really unhealthy for me, um, I would prefer to be there than have the police called on me and be scream fighting um, for my sanity as well, which at points I was also doing at my own home. (laughs) But at this point, I knew that I could go. I had moved my stuff out of like our master bedroom into a different room. Like I had my own space. I had my own, like we were getting in a groove of just being roommates and not like really butting heads as much as we used to. Um, but it just was uncomfortable. And anyway, it just, it was a better option for me. So I had to go back (laughs) because I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. So I go back and I'm there and it's hard to like keep leaving that situation and then going back to it and then leaving that situation and then going back to it. And it made it really hard because of course it, like I loved going back to that routine of like my ex and the family with our dog Loki that we had made and like the routine that we had made and like the home that I had decorated so like comfortably and like I find we finally had a house that we were waiting for for so long like it was so every time I went back it made me sad because I was happy to be back and I didn't want to be happy to be back because there were a lot of unhealthy things that were going on and also I don't think I could step foot in that house now. Like I literally don't think I could ever step foot in that house now. So yeah, anyway, I'm living back there. And then this is around the time that I decide to book the trip to Salt Lake City. And I'm like, okay, I'm not moving. And I even said this to people. I even said this to the people in my family, which this is craziness that people still thought I was moving there. (laughs) Like this trip. It's so fucking madness. It's such madness. It's such madness. I said to people, I literally said to people, (laughs) I'm not moving there, but I'm going there to look for places to work and look for places to live and to look at towns that I'm interested in living in because I'm not going to just go move somewhere that I've never been before and that I don't know what the town is like and that I don't know what I'm getting myself into. Who the fuck would do that? Sorry if you have, but who the fuck would do that? I was never going to be moving there. I was visiting and I was looking and I also took myself on a vacation because for fuck's sake, I needed a break. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And I'm an adult. I think people have forgotten this because I'm the baby in my family and also because I'm the baby of a lot of like our friends. I am an adult and I had my own money to book this trip. I booked it with my own shit. I really, I'm allowed to do this. Yep. But I had to like convince people otherwise and I had people begging me to come back the minute I left the train station. Yeah. What the fuck? Ah, yeah, guys. It's it got so uncontrollable uncontrollably 
fucking weird. Okay. So anyway, I booked the trip to Utah. And I think what scared people in my family and what scared friends too was that it was a one-way ticket. It was a one-way train ticket. But it wasn't one way because I was never coming back. It was one way because I didn't know when I was coming back because I quit my job. I had I had nothing to fucking do. I had nothing tying me down. I got out of my relationship. I wasn't going to be paying rent at the house anymore. I told him that, you know, fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm not living here anymore. I have no rent tying me down. I have no lease, you know, nothing. My dog, I'm going to miss her, but I'm going to go look at this place because we're not together anymore. And clearly, I can't be by my family right now. It's not healthy for me. So let me exit and go do something that I've been interested in doing for a little bit. Go move to Utah, live there for a year or two, and get a change of scenery and then maybe come back to Omaha. That was the thought process. But for fuck's sake, everyone thought I was going to like leave Omaha and never freaking come back. (laughs) Oh my God. But yeah. I wish I would have stayed. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I would have stayed and never come back. Yeah. Because it just got so much worse after this. Yeah. So let's talk about the good, that trip, because it was good and then it gets really bad. <laughs> yeah. I vibed so hard in Salt Lake City. I vibed so hard. One way ticket on Amtrak. Train ticket was gorge. It was a 24-hour train ride, which I had the time and also the scenery once we like got past the mountains in Colorado. Gorgeous. Not past them, but like once we got into the mountains in Colorado and then all the way into Utah. Gorgeous. And you had, there was like a view deck, a cafe, a ton. There was great leg room. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was wonderful. Salt Lake City was great. My only qualm was it was freezing. I don't do well in the colds. And um, we'll touch on this in another episode. I'm not going to talk about it now, but experiencing like the Mormon culture in real life is really what people say it is. Uh, Like really, it is. Um, So that was another interesting thing that I experienced while I was there. But everything else, like I I adored. I adored everything about Salt Lake City. I loved the um, town I stayed in. I stayed in Orem, O-R-E-M. It's like right next to Provo, Utah. P-R-O-V-O. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, I loved the Airbnb that I stayed at. Um, And I had, seriously, I had the time of my life while I was there. I was there for a week. And then the last few days, I struggled really, really hard emotionally because I was getting lonely there. Um, And it made me realize maybe I wasn't ready to move somewhere yet because I had like no friends and nobody to talk to and nobody to hang out with. I didn't know a single soul there, was not familiar with anything. It was really lonely. I really missed Loki. I like laid in bed and cried a full day almost because I was like, fuck, I don't think I can do this, which then I ended up getting Loki taken away from me anyway. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. It's not funny, but yeah, damn. Little did I know again. Um, So anyway, I called, I ended up calling uh, my ex because I was like, that's who I was living with at that point. And I'm like, I think I'm going to come home. Like, I'm really homesick. He's like, I'm happy you're coming home, blah, blah, blah. Told my, uh, called my dad, told him I was coming home because I was like, again, just to keep you guys posted again. Yeah, I was like letting them know where I was and stuff too. Like, it wasn't like, whatever. Yeah. So let everyone know I'm coming home. I book a flight. I fly back. And um, at this point, I'm not working at UNO. I, yeah, whatever. I come back. 
living at the house. I don't remember timeline because things start getting foggy around here, but um, I do know this is when it started to get like really, really uber repetitive at the home, <laughs> already repetitive, more repetitive than it was. And um, I started to feel like really stuck where I was um, and stuck like in the situation that him and I were in of like, I had gone and gotten this time away that I needed so desperately. And then when we got back, like it was okay for a few days and then it immediately started going back into the same shit. And like I already felt like I needed a break again and like a vacation again within like a few days. And that's not how you should feel in your own home. And again, the option of him leaving was not a thing. So therefore, I felt stuck again. <laughs> and um, it just started to get, you know, spirally again and back and forth again. Um, and this is when I decided um, I was like looking for a while. And I was like, I, I had been looking literally since last November at um, moving to Salt Lake City. And I had been looking again and I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose at this point. And I was hitting rock bottom again, fight or flighty. Um, really wanted like a fresh start too because things were still not really getting better with my family. Things were getting worse with the situation. I have been in Omaha for a really long time. It's I love this city. I love all my friends and family that are here, but I'm ready for something new. I was itching for something new. I was itching for a change so desperately and like a scenery change. So I was like packed my car and I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to move. I'm going to drive to Salt Lake City. And I know the apartment complex that I looked at was available. Um, I knew like I had work even lined up, freelance work out there. Yeah. <laughs> like I was fucking set up guys. Yep. You should have seen my car as well. I was set up. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I am like, peace out. I'm leaving. I'm moving to Utah. I'm driving there. And I get as far as Grand Island. <laughs> yep. So I load up my car and I start driving and I was so bold. I mean, honestly, it wasn't bold of me. I like driving. Um, and at this point, I was also like door dashing at night. I was pretty comfortable driving in the dark. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I would have been safe and I would have been fine, period. <laughs> period. Like I seriously would have been. <laughs> but anyway, um, I loaded up my car and I'm pulling up a map. Um, I load up my car and I start driving and I don't get on I-80, which usually is what you would take. Um in a trip like this but I was just feeling silly I was feeling scenic I was feeling like I had the time to you know go a different way no for no reason I was just like you know fuck it let's just take the other way <laughs> so I did and so instead of going on I-80 I took US-30 right let's see yeah so instead of if I would have gone I-80 obviously I just would have straight shotted it um, and it would have been like two hours and 13 minutes to Grand Island. Um, but what I did instead, and I did this, I think too, because we lived out West and it was easier to just get on, um, US 30 because it was closer. Um, and I think I was going to try to get back on I-80, 
But then it was like something was closed or I missed it. I don't know. Something like that happened. And so anyway, I ended up staying on US 30. And it gets pretty rural, like and pretty like nothing is out there, which I was prepared for. I knew where the fuck I was. (laughs) And I had also drove, not myself, but I have been on US 30 in this direction a countless number of times. Um, So I make it to, I'm like trying to find it on the map, but it's called like Nellie, Nebraska or something like Neely. Let's look up. N-E-L-I-G-H. Yes. There were like road closures and stuff. And so I got like a little off the beaten path or no. Getting off the beaten path was me trying to get gas. Yes, correct. So I pull up to a gas station that was right off of US 30 or whatever. And at this point in time, all I had was my Apple card and I didn't have the physical one. I only had my virtual card and then um, a virtual Venmo card. Not even. I only had my Apple card at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this gas station didn't have Apple Pay. So I was like, shit the bed. But I have my debit card on my phone. like, um, And I also didn't even have my physical debit card either. I just uh, changed like bank accounts at Wells Fargo. And oh my gosh, that scared the crap out of me. And there are my dogs. I'm sure the microphone's catching that. Lizzie, stop. Stop. Come on, dude. <sighs> anyway. They don't take Apple Pay and I don't have a debit card and I don't have a physical card. And I'm like, fuck me. (laughs) Fuck. I didn't think that people wouldn't have Apple Pay nowadays for fuck's sake. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, I'll call my dad. He totally – I know like I have the money. I'd Venmo him back. You know, like could he help me just like to get out my debit card? And he said no. I called him and he said no. Because again, we were not doing great and um, they were not understanding me. He said no. So I have no way to get gas. And I am exactly the mileage from the gas station I'm at to Grand Island. The mileage of my car is going to run on E to like that. It was like (laughs) exactly that mileage. And I was like, I mean, I don't know what else to do do and like I'm not gonna turn around and go back because that's exactly what like they want me to do and I don't want to do that and like I what maybe what I'll do is just drive until you know I can and I'll get a place and I'll I have family I know or I can DoorDash or I don't fucking sell something I don't know on Facebook (laughs) like my t-shirt or something I'm getting I don't know but like I'll figure it out I'd always figured it out and I wasn't like I'd figured out it wasn't gonna be a big deal I'm innovative and at this point desperate and so I'm like okay I'll just keep going so I'm driving from that gas station and I stop in uh Neely Nebraska N-L-I-G-H because I'm like okay Kirsten maybe don't try to send it maybe try to just get a place tonight um, like a hotel or something, like just stay the night or stay in your car if you need to and figure it out in the morning because like it's getting dark. Um, US 
30 or whatever the fuck it was is scary at night like one lane you know not no lights no nothing it's horrifying and so i was like okay let's pull over try to get a place i can't use apple pay at the hotel so i'm like fuck me and i go out to and there's like one hotel <laughs> so i'm going out to my car trying to figure this out with no help at all not a single soul can help me not a single soul will help me actually and so I'm like, okay, shit, what do I do? And then I get a knock on my window, and it's the police. My parents called the police on me again, but this time to Neely, Nebraska. I was not in communication with my family at this point. I had blocked their numbers, like I had mentioned. Um, the only person I was like, I think I had contacted my dad when I was like coming back from my first trip to Salt Lake City. Um, he wasn't blocked, but then after, yeah, there was just more. I don't know. Like it just got so out of hand. I was not in contact with any of them. No one could contact me and they were trying to contact me the entire time I was driving and to say like, Hey, like don't go that way. Or like, also, I don't know how they knew where I was because I don't have my location shared with them, but they knew where I was driving and were saying that it was like an unsafe area and um, like they were worried for my safety, but like, again, I couldn't see it. Um, And yeah, I don't, I think too, um, a really, a line that kept getting pulled, which was never came out of my mouth, was threatening to hurt myself, um, was an accusation that was always told to the police to get them to come see me because they can't just call the police and say, I'm worried about you. They have to say like something like that. Yep. Uh, And even though I've never said that in these three months, (laughs) yep. Never once said that ever. Never once thought that even. Um, So yeah, I get a knock on the window. It's the police. So I'm like, oh my God. Rolled in my window. Hi, ma'am. Explain the situation. Your parents called. They're worried about you. Have you threatened to hurt yourself? Have you threatened to hurt anybody else? No, no okay, well, what's your plan for tonight? Try to figure out a plan. They are like, okay, how much gas do you have? I'm like, okay, this many miles. Okay, well, let's, we'll make it to Grand Island. Grand Island has a lot more options for hotels and stays and they'll be able to like have more resources for you than we will here. Um, this is a good way to get back. Um, my dad was going to drive to come get me and they were like, do you want that to happen? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't even know they were trying to contact me. And this was a shock that you guys even are here and no, tell them not to come. And so they're like, okay, you're an adult and yeah, you can do that. So they told him not to come. And, um, obviously it, it didn't take five seconds and this spiked my anxiety. I was sitting, I have a, I still have it, but I actually bought it for Loki. But when we split and I knew I wasn't going to be seeing her as much anymore, I took it and it's a stuffed animal that looks like her. I bought it because it looked like her and it's called a snuggle puppy and it has a heartbeat inside of it. And my anxiety was so high. You could probably ask their freaking get the footage from the body cam. My anxiety was so high because second police call for no reason on me again. And it's scary to do it alone. (laughs) Also, this time I'm just completely alone in a city that I don't know and have police behind me lighten up my car and knocking on my windows. Horrifying. (laughs) Um, 
And so I have my snuggle puppy and my anxiety is so high. My blood pressure is high. My heart rate is high. I literally was crying because I was like, oh my gosh, every time I try to just break free from the situation that is so aggressively holding me to it in some way, something like this happens and I'm so freaking tired of it. And at this point, what's the point? And not in like a harmful way, but I'm like, what the fuck is happening and why am I trying so hard when every single time this just happens and literally all my plans get ruined all the time and I can't do anything for myself without something like this happening. (laughs) What the fuck is the point? Yeah, very defeated at this point. I'm holding my snuggle puppy. I'm holding my Loki close to my chest. I'm just crying and doing breathing exercises as they try to figure out the situation with my parents on the phone. Yeah. They let me go. They give me the right, uh, like a recommendation of where to go on the road to get to Grand Island. I take that and I am pushing it for gas. And, um, literally like the exact mileage to Grand Island is what I have in mileage left in my tank. (laughs) And so, um, this is the story of, I've already told it going a hundred miles an hour because I had to, for my safety to make it, um, to Grand Island or else I would have just been, uh, out of gas in the middle of the darkness on US 30. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to get into it again, but I make it to Grand Island by the grace of God. Literally like right in, just on the county line, not like in the town, just right on the county line. Break down, out of gas, right there. A police officer was literally right behind me as I broke down. It was a female police officer, put on her lights, was like, okay, she's this girl's out of gas. Let's get her somewhere. She's like, describe your necessities. I was assuming, you know, I'm going to get back to my car either, you know, in the morning, later that night, knew where it was. Um, also, I had registered to drive for Lyft or Uber at this point. So I had um, an account. And if you're a female Lyft driver, you get benefits. Um, to have some like roadside assistance. And so what I ended up doing was right literally in the car with the police officer when she was giving me a ride into town in Grand Island after I ran out of gas, I set a pin and said like I ran out of gas. I need a tank. Uh, like I need someone to fill up my tank um, and it was going to be done for free. And so I was like, okay, work. I'll have gas in the morning. I just need somewhere to stay. And so she drops me off at the Days Inn in Grand Island. And I'm so happy I get, you know, like picked up and dropped off to safety. Um, But she dipped out of there so fast, (laughs) so fast. I go up to the counter and I'm like, okay, how much is it for one night? I don't remember, but I'm like, okay, I'll have, I'll take, like I need to do, I'll do one room. Do you have Apple Pay? No. (laughs) Okay, fuck me. Okay, fuck me. Okay. Can I like have if I can find somebody to like spot me? Can I like pay over the phone? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I try to do here. And I'm like thinking of who I can call. It's kind of late. And I'm like, literally, I feel like such a desperate bitch, but literally, number one, Grand Island, up your game and up your tech. I know you're a small town, but Jesus fucking Christ. And for fuck's sake. I ended up finding out too the reason why I couldn't use my card anywhere this week or like this weekend or I don't even remember what days I was driving, but 
number one, almost all the places didn't have Apple Pay. But then two, when I tried to use it, it would get declined. And I wasn't maxed out on my Apple card. I was not maxed out. But what had happened was I had made a payment on my Apple card and I had made a really generous payment on my um, account, a payment that matched my spending amount. And so therefore it flagged it and like freezed my spending. (laughs) Yeah. So for fuck, I was like tied and stuck in Grand Island with no way to pay for a room, no way to pay for my gas, nowhere to pay for anything. But I was not going to let my family help me because I was so hurt by the situation. It wasn't also me being like stuck up in your face. No, I'm not going to take help from you. But like I was so incredibly hurt by the situation that was happening. It was not even a thought in my mind to give them a call, unfortunately. So the first person, and this is like kind of shows you how at this point on healthy the situation was the first person I thought of was my ex like because that was who my safety was for a lot of years like that's who I think of and honestly like I had just left his place that day and you know what I'm saying like it was not like it was far-fetched for me to think of him but he was the only person that I could think of (laughs) um other outside of my sisters I actually I called my oldest sister first and I don't know if this was a response that was discussed across the board within my family, um, but I kept getting the response of, if you're not like in Omaha, we can't help you. And so I did try to call my sister and ask for her help in getting just a room. It was like 60 bucks, I think. And she said no. Um, and then I called my ex and he also said no. And then I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck is going on, you guys, but I just need to stay here and I have 60 bucks that I can send you, but I just physically can't. I don't have a way to like pay for it in their merchant system. Can someone for fuck's sake help me? And I was yelling on the phone because I was like, what is your guys's problem? What is your problem? What is your problem? I'm asking. I just I literally my I have nowhere else to go. What else am I going to do? And I'm going to pay you back like tonight if you need me to, for fuck's sake. What the fuck? No one would help me. And so finally, after begging and begging and begging, thank you, X. Thank you so much. Because guess what? This guy over my own damn family got me a hotel room that night. Yeah. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much. There's so many bad things that have happened. And I know, yeah. Yes, but thank you because I would have literally had nowhere to go that night and I needed somewhere to go and I needed somewhere to go like eat too and shower and just like for fuck. Oh my God. Yeah. So if you know me saying if anybody saw me in Grand Island getting ripped of my basic necessities, I was actually getting ripped of my basic necessities. I was asking for my basic necessities and getting told no. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. It was so bad guys. But yeah, I got, I slept in the hotel that night. Thank you so much. And um, regrouped, shit, woke up to another shitstorm. I wake up and I'm like, yay, we're going to figure it out today. And um, I had figured out how I was going to get gas. I had 
some very kind friends via Snapchat. That was that's why I was going so wild on Snapchat because I had people that were good friends to me and actually like understanding me and I was actually like keeping updated and talking to them that were like literally saving my life during this time just by simply checking in and like talking to me and like I was people were going to give me the help that I was asking for like out of the kindness of their own heart because without even knowing me. Yeah. So like it was figured out. I'm like, yay. I have people who are like being kind to me and like friends that are coming back into my life that I'm like reconnecting with and that are like lending a helping hand. I feel cared for. I feel like I have this situation figured out. Um, My car is getting filled up today and I am told okay, your car, uh, it's like filled up or when it gets filled up and all this kind of stuff, when it's done, it's going to be dropped off at Discount Tire in Grand Island. Here's the address. Um, it'll be there. Get a notification about that and a time to go. <laughs> so I go then and I have to walk because I don't have a car <laughs> and it wasn't that far of a walk, but I have to walk and I get there and I'm like, hi, I'm here to pick up my um, – I'm not going to tell you guys the make and model of my car because I don't want anyone following me. Um, I'm here to pick up my car. This is my name. This is the make and model. He's like, we don't have that car here. I'm like, are you sure? Like, what do you mean you don't have that here? It's it's here. And he's like, no, we don't have that here. And so immediately I'm like, my car got stolen. And I'm like, great. <laughs> so I sit down in discount tire and I'm like calling people. I'm like, did you, do you know what happened to my, like my family specifically and X specifically? Do you guys happen to know what happened to my car? No, no, no. Which is false because guess what? My mom came and picked it up and drove it back to Omaha. Correct. I don't know what the thought process was there either and why I was not picked up as well if that was the case. It, Cause how was I going to go anywhere? Literally, how was I going to go anywhere when my car was picked up and not I was not told about it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think my car is stolen and I'm sitting in discount tire trying to figure it out. I'm getting told it's not stolen and essentially people are turning me crazy <laughs> even though it disappeared into thin air. And so, therefore, yeah, it is kind of a big deal. <laughs> and, yeah. Anyway. It's gone. I have no car. I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, great. Fuck this. Don't know where my car is. Awesome. Stranded in Grand Island. No car. Nothing. And I need another hotel room because the day has expired as I'm trying to figure out this fucking situation. <laughs> and I get a hotel room. Yay. And um, I'm just at this point, I'm like enjoying my night because I'm like, this is so bizarre and ridiculous and fucked up and stupid. And I'm so mad at everybody. I'm so mad at the world. I'm so mad at the situation. I just really could punch a hole in a wall right now. <laughs> I really could, really could do it on them. I could anger issue them right now. And I'm not an angry person. And so, yeah, I uh, did that. Um, I was really on edge. I was really, really fucking mad. Um, and... That's pretty much Grand Island. I slept there that night. And then the next morning I was walking to um, either Enterprise or U-Haul. I can't decide which one. I, 
I think it was U-Haul. I was going to rent a U-Haul truck because it's cheaper than like a rental car and um, like drive that. <laughs> that was walking. <laughs> I told you guys I'm innovative and they have Apple Pay. <laughs> um, and I had it figured out payment wise. Yeah. I had like had reserved it. Yeah. Like I had already had reserved it online. I could do online payments, but I couldn't. Yeah. Fuck. It was just a fucking mess. Whatever. <laughs> That's my. Yeah. I'm not even going to explain it, but I reserved it. So I'm walking to U-Haul and um, I have my AirPods in, but I have like the spatial audio on or whatever. And so I can hear still outside like my surroundings and I hear a familiar voice yell my name and I turn around. And it's my aunt and uncle from my mom's, my mom's brother and his wife. And they're like, hey, we were worried about you. So we drove out here. I can't believe we found you. Do you, do you need lunch? Do you want to get lunch? And I was like, Yes. Yes, I want lunch. Oh my gosh. I was stranded out there. I had walked a really long way. U-Haul was really far away. Oh hell. I was, oh yeah. Well, actually I hadn't made it that far, but like I was just tired because I'd been walking because I didn't have a car. Like the whole day before I was emotionally exhausted. They took me to Cane's. I ate and they were like, you can come back and stay with us. And I was like, wow, I'm going into an amazing situation. And then that also got bad as well. And you guys, we're going to have to split this into three parts. I think I'm so sorry about this, but hell, I told you guys, it is a lot and there's still just a whole beast to attack, but I'm positive it's not going to be more than a third part. And the third part probably won't all be about it. So maybe next episode will be third part, probably half finishing the story, half reflecting. How about that? Um, but yeah, that's, we'll end it here. Um, this part um tie a little bow on top is that we're finishing at that's grand island period that's what happened in grand island at this point i'm back at my aunt and uncle's in la vista um with no car um not in connection with my family um obviously shaken up and upset still um at the situation of this and at what i thought was rock bottom before an even deeper rock bottom that was being um, planned behind my back the entire time I was there. <laughs> yes. So um, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time, <laughs> I guess. Welcome to my shit show. We'll catch you next time. Bye.